Hey everyone, welcome to episode 22 of the Worldwide Knicks Podcast, your home for international Knicks talk. I'm kind of like the referee today because Rafa, Alex, you guys have some strong opinions about some hot topics that are going on this week. And I'm just going to be over here in my little zone. How are you guys doing tonight? Yeah, I'm good. To, good, thanks, Omar. Yeah, looking forward to it. So I'm ready. Bring it. <laughs> Man, we were we were going wild, Rafa. Yesterday, you and I were going wild, just going back and forth on WhatsApp during uh, during the game against the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, so let's get right into it. The Knicks last week or this past week go one and two, uh, which I think uh, all three of us basically expected, right? Yeah. So a win against Sacramento, really convincing win, twenty point win, and you know shots were falling. Everybody was looking good. A loss against Memphis, who might be the third or fourth hottest team in the league. And uh, a loss last night in overtime in uh, the Crypto.com arena against the <laughs> LA Lakers, which the game last night, uh, we're, we're not going to spend too much time on it. But I just wanted to say, like, it's just great when both RJ and Julius are going off, you know, when they're going off together in the same game. It's just a just a great feeling. But I do want to start it off with with Tom Thibodeau, our, our head coach, right? A lot of criticism, a lot of criticism going on right now about Tibbs. And we'll, we're going to talk about a few bits of that. But the first one that I see a lot of talk about is how he treats the young guys versus how he treats veterans. And to translate Nick's Twitter for you, what that means is how he treats Obi Toppin versus how he treats somebody like Julius Randle. How Obi has a shorter leash and Randle could do whatever he wants or or like Alec Burks could be in there shooting bad shots, but he'll pull Emmanuel quickly after five minutes. So Alec, as the great Tibbs defender on this podcast, how do you feel about those types of um, accusations, I guess? Well, the accusation that I'm a great Tibbs defender, let's, let's start with that, <laughs> because I think I've, I've got that tag on a little bit unfairly. I'm a defender of, look, we've got our a good, solid, experienced, well-respected coach. Why would we want to turn turn it all upside down again just to get it out? You know, yeah, I do like Tibbs, but I'm, I'm, I'm happily admit that he, he makes plenty of mistakes. We've already talked about them just before the pod, about that timeout and things like that. But, you know, we've talked about this loads, but, about, you know, what's the actual alternative? Do you know, fire Tibbs, where are we going now? I even saw one comment on 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 Twitter earlier. It was something about like, oh, you know, get rid of Tibbs, get Johnny Bryan, and he might be able to play small and get the offense. And you're just like, you've got obviously no knowledge whatsoever of what Johnny Bryan is as a coach. Just throwing things in the you know into the into the atmosphere, you know, and just hoping it's true. Do you know? I mean, I don't want to go there again. Tibbs is. As I said, an experienced coach, very good defensive coach. Obviously, uh, works so hard, uh, you know, at everything behind the scenes. You know, the players clearly like him as well. They're still playing for him. As I said, I just don't want to get into that turmoil again. But the thing about the how he treats players, I mean, that it's not as if he's like battering them around the head and you know, screaming in their face and stuff like that. He's treating rookies and young players 
you know, he's basically saying, you know, you need to earn your minutes. These guys that these veterans, as they so-called, most of them who are under 30, by the way, they've they've earned their time like that. They've been brought up through the ranks. I'm sure they had exactly the same experience wherever they started out. You talk to like Rose and, and Gibson and people like that. You know, Thibodeau treated them exactly the same when they were coming through in Chicago. That's just your way of kind of earning your earning your respect with the veterans. I'm sure there's all sorts of veterans in Chicago that that probably got the same kind of treatment. Yeah, you, you could more argue, is that the right way to do it? But I mean, that's that's a very common way to run any business. You know, you've got your, you come in at the bottom, you've just got to earn your way up to the top. You know, guys up the top have, have been there and done it. They've performed well. They've, they've done this and that. They deserve a little bit of time, you know. So I think that's all it is. And I think people have picked out in a couple of occasions where Tibbs has maybe pulled it, will be out the game early. And to be perfectly honest, he deserved it. Do you know, he, he hasn't earned that right of that uh, big sample size of, of, of good games where we can say, well, if we keep him in, he's going to just turn the corner. You're like, well, no, that's not good enough. The effort's not there. Your positioning's all wrong. We've worked on this in, in practice all week, and now you're doing something completely different. You know, you need to pull him out and just make an example of him. And see, that's just the way I see it. But uh, I, I just don't think... As with a lot of things at the moment, things just aren't quite as black and white as as next Twitter say. You know, like one mistake is made and it's just turned into a crisis, and you know, one bad kind of inbound pass or something, and it's just like, well, Tibbs is the worst coach in the world, and and you're just like, come on, it's it's a little bit more complex than that. So, I just think the whole the way he treats the players thing is just completely overblown. It's it's just the, the normal course of. of of building up and developing a player, that's all. I think Tibbs tries to... Um, he chooses the players he believes are best for the situation. Young uh, veterans, he doesn't care at times because he finished the games with quickly. Uh, never with Obi because Obi's a tough time because we mentioned a lot of, uh, of times that best player in our team or the second best player now, let me just throw, out, throw that out there, is Julius Randle. So it's playing in the same position. So he would rather have Julius Randle than Obi playing. So I understand it. But there are a lot of people, and I, I get where the, this criticism comes from, from the people criticizing him. They would rather lose close games playing the young guys than lose games playing the veterans. People would rather, and I in a way understand, people would rather have Jericho Sims playing some minutes than seeing uh, Nerns Noel get 20-something and Taj getting more minutes. They would rather see quickly play 20 minutes than uh, Kemba playing 25 miserable minutes. People would say would say like this, quickly played five minutes because he had a rough start. He had a really rough start. He tried to do some, some things good, but then... You also had Kemba, who added nothing to the game, and you played him many minutes. I mean, people were cons- also had a bit of foul trouble as well. Which yeah, he had mentioned that much. Yeah, he picked up three fouls in five minutes, which well, against uh, what? Was it? I mean, when you get cooked by Reeves, I mean, okay, you can get a run. This is why people point the finger, and uh, I agree with uh, what Alex said. It's veterans; they earn their minutes, even if they had bad games. Because Kemba had two zero-point games, he scored seven points this game or whatever. 
whatever it was, but he still he was playing he wasn't playing that good, but still got over 20 minutes. And you gave quickly five because you obviously went with Burks with the lineup. I mean, Randall played f- almost 50 minutes. RJ played almost 50 minutes. So you went with those two guys, obviously, for this game. Grimes didn't get a lot of uh, minutes. He got the last 40 se- 30 seconds of overtime for some reason, which is uh, w- w- which was funny. But I get people criticism, but uh, uh, I don't get I don't want to play the young kids all the time. Because you, you will get this. You will get quickly making buckets from half court, just making amazing moves like he, he did with Memphis. Like, oh, he brought us back. But he also killed us. Highs and lows with playing the young kids. Obi has uh, great moments, also has those uh, fly-by defensive moves, which is Tibbs hates them. I hate him because you, you, the guy in the three-point line just stops and you go, go swinging by. I mean, you need to learn how not to do that. And he, we want to, we look like it, it's a tough, it's not in a great position, but we, we still want to make the playoffs. We still want to make the plans. So I don't, so you try to play the best players available. So I don't, I don't have a problem with that. The way he treats young or, or young players or older players. I mean, get your man to play. If you play well, you will play. I mean, unless your name is Cam Reddish, she don't play at all. But that's another that's another thing that uh, we'll see after the trade deadline, basically. What you guys were saying basically is like, it's not really, to me, a young versus old guy thing. It's really just Tibbs is a real big on trust. RJ's a young guy. He's playing him 50 minutes here last night with, you know, including OT minutes, you know, and it's because he trusts RJ. He trusts Julius. He trusts Alec Burks, you know, and – the counter to that is, well, why does he trust somebody like Kemba? He just does. I mean, you know, he, he knows what he's going to give you guys. I think that that's a big issue you get with, with OB and IQ, especially they could both be really erratic. Like IQ sometimes looks like the second coming of Trey Young. And other times he looks like a guy. And then OB every now and then looks like, you know, this excellent power forward who could stretch it out a little bit. And other times it looks like he forgot how to shoot a jump shot. And that's that's why I think he has such a hard time trusting them. So that's why their minutes are reduced. I think he trusts Grimes. It's just like last night, Grimes' shot wasn't falling. You know, it is what it is. He's a rookie. It happened. And he's, even his defense, Grimes' defense wasn't uh, – he didn't play amazing minutes because – I don't know if you guys noticed, every time – if it was Burks or Fournier uh, on the floor with RJ, RJ never switched – out of uh, LeBron James, never. He was like going over screens and trying to battle over the matchup to stay with yeah. uh, with say with LeBron. And with when Grimes was in, they switched between the two of them. So they, Tibbs also trusted Grimes to guard LeBron, but Grimes wasn't having a great game. If he knocked down a couple of his threes, this game was ours. So it's a. Uh, the bench was terrible last just night. A couple basically. shots, you know, just a couple shots. It basically comes down to missed shots, which again can't really be put. I mean, a lot of the shots the next missed in the second half. So they were good. They were good open shots. You know, you can't blame for tips for that. I mean, as you just mentioned, you know, RJ and, and Grimes on LeBron. Nobody probably would have picked that up pre yeah. game. You know that. You know that's that's Tibbs making adjustments. You know, and it's I don't know it's it. It just it just always seems to be that you know certainly next Twitter just always needs somebody to blame you know and it's just 
almost like Randall's now he's started playing a bit better you know we've moved on from Randall right let's take it out in tips instead you know there's always somebody always a flavor it's just like but Tibbs was always getting criticized that's the thing no it's just Tibbs Tibbs is getting Tibbs is getting criticized since the moment we said that we said uh, the Knicks said we were hiring Tom Thibodeau Yeah. Yeah. yeah nobody oh he's gonna run him into the ground Tibbs always has this these problems that people mentioned from, from Tibbs, they all mentioned them. Last last year, we wanted to play Obi more, yeah. And we want to play Frank Milikina. Oh, he's better than Alfred Payton. I mean, Tibbs has, a, Tibbs has his trust and has his guys, and he's really reluctant to change that. And you you really need to play your minutes to get in. If you see it the, the, with the COVID stuff and everybody going down, Grimes played nice minutes, and he didn't leave the rotation. McBride struggled and he never played since. And like uh, that brings up the next point about Tibbs, which is the fact that not just the whole narrative about young and old players and veterans or whatever, but now like people are kind of going after some coaching decisions, quite frankly. So, you know, situational things that he does, such as having Alec Burks inbound the ball. Um, whether he should have challenged at certain instances, uh, his defensive rotation decisions, stuff like that. So where do you guys come out on that criticism? Is it fair or are people being a little little too picky and choosy with their criticisms of Tibbs in that regard? Yeah, that's, that's a great way to put it. Picky and choosy, it's, it's just like one, one millisecond of the game, basically. And it's all down to that, you know, not not all the other the good things that have been done throughout the game. You know, like, just like a point out about how that, obviously the first quarter especially was, was pretty incredible to watch. But that was down to, I think, just the intensity and the pace that they played at. It was something that, that you know, Tibbs, you wouldn't expect of Tibbs, but there, there's another adjustment he's made, but, you know, pretty big adjustment. And it worked. I... I I almost think that the, the you know the game turned on the fact of probably just you know the players being burnt a bit because you know they played at such a, a high level and high intensity that they get to the second half and they were pretty gassed and I think you know at that moment you would be looking to your bench to see right we, we need need somebody to pick up the slack you know give these guys a rest and there was nobody there other than Burks who gave half decent kind of production but. I think Tibbs ended up ended up having to just keep players in, and uh, they just couldn't keep that level of intensity up. And then just you know Davis and, and LeBron especially just and Monk just turned the screw a bit. So as I say, it's just I think I mean with Burks inbounding the ball, for instance. I mean, who who would be another contender for for doing that? I mean, Kemba's too small, Forney, Randall. RJ, you're probably looking at them to be the person to receive the ball. Who else steps in and does it then? Because Tibbs, Tibbs likes somebody with, you know, obviously a bit of height, and most teams do, um, so they can see the play in front of them. You've had Burks playing a point guard a lot this season, so although he's not a point guard by trade, you know, he's at least got passing ability. I don't know. I mean, yeah, some of those plays were dreadful, but you've got to give some credit a little bit to the to the opposition for, for matching the play, but there was that, yeah, the, the the one that was wasted right down the front where they, they could have fumbled the ball. I think he tried to give it to Randall, wasn't it? And 
It was just, yeah. uh, it was just, it was a, just a mess. It was a mess. It was a bad play again. Yeah. Another, I think the problem with the inbound inbounds play is, to me, that they, they're not good. They're not good inbound plays. Which was the game? I don't remember. Last week we had the shot to win in the. It was a ha- Cleveland game. Yeah, Cleveland. We passed it. It was a terrible play. The, yeah. the shot to Rand, the ball to Randall. The, the plays That's are. Yeah, people criticize that the plays, and we we see it. when we come out of timeouts. There was there's never a good play. It's 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 amazing. There was the RJ against Boston. You know there there are examples yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, sure, but there's a every time the, the there wasn't everybody anybody open last last night, and Randall almost hugged Burks to get the ball, and they fumbled it, and they lost it, and it was a big it was a big mess. <laughs> But the players were RJ and Randall were all tired. They were really tired when we got to OT. They they couldn't do it anymore. It would, they were tired. We were a two man game last year, last night with uh, with with Randall and uh, and RJ both scoring more than thirty points for the second time in j- just this this year, two thousand twenty-two. But for example. T- People were what people criticized a lot last, last night was uh, Noel getting so much time in the second half. Mm. Noel played 23 minutes, scored five points, got one rebound. He was destroyed by Anthony Davis. And you just like, okay, maybe he's controlling minutes with Mitch, but Mitch with OT played 30 minutes. He couldn't play 35. Would he, uh, I don't know lose the headband or lose an arm. Noel was not, not exactly known for, for being a, a point scorer. He's not exactly known for being a big rebounder, but he's not in there for that. But he's in there for protecting the rim. He's in there for blocks. And, and he got one gonna, block. And... Yeah, I know. He, he didn't play well. And yeah, he, he played far too much. But as you say, it might there might just not have been another option. That's the thing to me that we... we... Maybe talk about the adjustments and when I look, maybe we could have done differently. The only center that the, 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 the Lakers had really last, last night was Anthony Davis. When Anthony Davis was off the floor, LeBron was playing the five and who was guarding him was, LeBron, was RJ still. Which is a, so, a matchup nightmare for the way we're constructed. You know, yeah, yeah, but couldn't you, if you're playing LeBron at the five, couldn't you bring a guy? I mean, I don't know. Make Kobe at bring Kobe at the five. You still got the size. You got more size for rebounds to, to battle because Kobe is a mess sometimes. Yeah, well, I mentioned, but he's a guy. He got five rebounds last night. He was getting some boards. And we Anthony Davis got seven offensive rebounds that killed us again. So that brings up the biggest criticism that so many people have of Tibbs right now, which is there's no variation in the lineup. You know, it's the same starting five, assuming everyone's healthy. In over and over again, much as it was last year, you know, when he stuck with Alfred Payton for a long time. And, you know, you could say that's rigidity. You could say that's just playing his guys. Um, I mean, do you guys think that he should be experimenting more with these lineups? I mean, he's always said that he doesn't like to, he likes to give it, what, 10 games, wasn't it? He always said, you know, before he starts thinking about making changes. But I mean, look, take take last season for instance. By sticking with that lineup, that was one of the probably the reasons why they went on the run that they did towards the end of the season. So it was just consistency. Everybody knows their game. I'm a I'm a fan of that kind of that kind of thing. But you know, when there's a clear 
clear issues, something that needs to change, then then you, yeah, you need to make changes. But I mean, he has made changes throughout the season. You know, people, you know, the Kemba thing, obviously. Uh, Forney is the one that's a bit strange to me. I, you know, he's he's been playing better recently. Uh, admit that, but you know, he went through a huge stretch of just really, really poor, and him as much as more than almost more than Kemba, but. You know, we've got more cover in that area than the kind of three, three guard, two guard who can cope with losing Forney. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one because if you just keep chopping and changing the lineup every single time, it is again just going to be a mess. Players already not knowing the role, not knowing. I think Tibbs just likes that consistent lineup so that everybody knows what they're doing with when they go in the court. You know, there's no. There's, there's no just kind of working it out as you go along sort of thing. Everybody knows what they're doing. And that's why he likes vet, veterans as well, because, he, as you said, they can trust them. They know all the plays. They know the defensive rotations, all that kind of stuff. So it's just much easier to manage as a head coach when you're not worrying about, you know, how this player is going to play with that player. You know exactly what they're going to be like. So it's just one less, one less variable, I guess. I'm pretty sure most coaches are exactly the same. I, I mean... I can't think of one that just changes all the time, changes lineups all the time, apart from injuries. And well, Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. But he's a. He's but, yeah, a but you're right, though. For, for the most part, people, coaches like to stick with the group that they're comfortable with, you know? Yeah. So I don't, I, as I said, I don't think Tibbs is. He, a lot of the other criticisms you get, I don't think they're anything different to what the majority of coaches are like. So. He sometimes looked just uh, as a, a really stubborn guy. Just, uh, I'm not going to change. I have this. I will keep it until I can't keep it no more. I will run players into the ground and not try. That's the thing. Not trying to, to help these guys. Not trying. To, okay. Kemba right now looks again like he's, uh, he's, he's drowning. Throw him, uh, throw him something. Throw him uh, uh, something to save him. Plan more plays for him, you know, like run more plays for him, just to get him going a little bit. It's not even the it's not even the play. I mean, he's not working it in the first lineup. That's the, the thing to me is that he is now hurting the first lineup, and they need they're overcompensating the lack of production of defense from uh, from Kemba right now. Fournier improves. Fournier is the uh, like a like like we we say now it's the role the the Evan Fournier experience. Hits two threes, fumbles three foot three balls. I mean, I, it, it was it against Memphis, right? When he hits a, a huge three and then passes off the head of Taj Gibson. I mean, God, how can I Sorry. be so hot and cold with a guy? Last night it was the saving the ball going out of, out of bounds. <laughs> that was straight into LeBron. He couldn't have even just thrown it the other direction as well. But he's a guy right after we after RJ scores at. Three-pointer to tie the game. He was the guy on the bench, just looking at looking at everybody. Just one stop, one stop, one stop. He was the guy. So Fournier is getting into it. I, people are talking about trading him now. So I feel like now we trade him. Now he's playing better. It's like we don't believe him. And again, okay, I'm. It's a bit complicated, but okay. Kemba's not working. We benched him. We didn't play him until we absolutely had to because we had like four players available. We had we were playing Damian Dotson, and he just jumped right back into the rotation. 
And then he got injured again like eight weeks because he had a sore knee. And let's not forget, when he had that sore knee, we went into our best stretch with Burks starting at the point guard. So it's then we we brought him back and Burks lost everything. He started playing poorly. It's help guys somewhere. I mean, last night I, I mentioned to, to Omar while we were going crazy at, in, in our chat. Maybe, I mean, no one in the bench is working. Uh, RJ is getting his buckets because he's being able to penetrate. You have a guy sitting on the bench, Cam Reddish, maybe maybe just try him. I mean, why not give RJ a rest for two minutes, three minutes, put him, put in Cam. If it works, okay, it, we can trust him to play a few minutes, a few more minutes. If it doesn't, well, sit, sit him down again. Just, just with four, back and forth here a second, I, I saw somebody put a comment and I really agreed with it. It's like Forney is playing at the moment like the player we thought we were signing. You know, he's not playing amazing, but he's doing all the things that you'd expect Evan Forney to do. He's he's the, he's now the he's now the player that we we expected to come here. You know, he's he's not a superstar. He's not even I wouldn't no. even say he's a star. You know, he's he's just a a kind of a role player that can, you know, he's a bit kind of erratic at times. He can disappear in games and then he can pop up and hit a bunch of threes to kind of, in really big moments. That that's it. That, that was the phony from Orlando, maybe less so in Boston, but that that's kind of what he's done through his whole career. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, we'll see if there are any variations <clears throat> moving forward. Obviously, the deadline's coming up, so some shakeup could be happening there. I will get to that in a second. But before we get to the specific deadline stuff, there's a little bit of a rumor that was floating around Twitter the other day. I didn't really believe it just because of the source. You know, as a, a you know a reporter I never heard of before. I don't know about you guys. If it's not coming from, like, as far as, like, the local Nick guys, or if it's not coming from Ian Begley, I tend to kind of, like, discard it. You know, because I feel like everybody else is just trying to make headlines. But... It got a lot of a lot of steam, and it created a great soundbite moment for Julius Randle. Who reported it? Do we know? Good job, Mark. So we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. A lot of talk going around that he has requested a trade, is no longer happy with the direction of the team. And I guess the main question for me, guys, is do you think that there is any modicum of truth to Julius wanting out of New York, I don't, I don't think so. I, I thought it was really telling in that in that interview. Um, just quick shout out: Mark Barman's uh, had the that plus the relax interview. <laughs> He's had two of the funnier moments this season. Oh man, I was loving loving the way Randall looked like he was about like he was about to go for him. But uh, I thought it was re- I was really telling that uh, when he started. When it when somebody coughed up the fact that it was Begley that had reported it, you know Randall's tone changed a little bit, like as if, oh really, like kind of, and it, it was almost like oh there's somebody respectable <laughs> that's reporting that now, um he just he, he kind of went on and, and said something about the the front office how he trusts them they're doing a great job and I think trust wise they were. I mean, you could look at a hundred different ways, but to me, it 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 didn't it didn't sound like it's somebody that you know was was really unhappy, you know. And 
he started to play well again as well. And so I, I don't know. It's 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 a really tough one. I mean, we've we've talked a lot about you know if the right deal comes along, would you be happy to let him go? And and I think that's pretty much the case for any player for me. You know, it's um, I'm not overly attached to you know the vast majority of the squad there's maybe like Grimes and RJ who I'd be absolutely devastated to lose other than that you know if the right deal was there I'd, I'd more than happy to because we're at a really interesting point uh, of, the, of the kind of rebuild like we talked about that you know we're, we're kind of get, getting there a wee bit but I think we're, we're still a few big moves away we've got all these all these good solid NBA players that we just need to turn into some real elite talent the, the, I don't think just keeping developing these guys for years and years and years it's going to get us particularly anywhere. Uh, we do need to make some big moves at some point, but I just don't I don't see those deals out there. That we just keep going back to Darren Fox and Miles Turner, and it's just like well, you start to talk yourself into these deals, you know, like oh, you know, maybe it'll work, maybe it'll work, but it just doesn't doesn't really excite me in the way that you know these are the moves to to kind of really move the needle. You know? Did look kind of the report did look kind of vague. Uh, Randall well, that, that report was ridiculous. Yeah, ah, um, uh, the, uh, Randall's asking for a trade because uh, he he asked something that to the front office that the front office wasn't ready to do. I mean, it's like, oh, what did he want? Who did he want to trade? I mean, it was really just to to create waves around Randall again. Uh, he has enough uh, people making uh, enough waves around him, so. Randall is, a, is obviously having a rough patch, but I don't think he he wants to to leave New York. He said it at the beginning of the season. Uh, everything was still good, but he said it he said it two weeks ago that he wanted still wants to win in New York. He still wants to be part of a, a a winning team. So obviously it's not coming this year, but uh, maybe it will come. I mean, I believe it. Why not? If I'm what am I what am I doing here if I don't believe it? Someday it will happen. <laughs> someday yeah man it's uh i'm so done with these randall talks i mean he's playing people talking about his effort in everything he's uh when he shows effort and he so, so shows passion people are calling oh he's having another tantrum getting a, a technical foul i mean and rj got the technical foul everybody was uh oh look at that look at that he's a uh, rj barrett is coming becoming our leader for for arguing against Double referees standard. It is the double standard. It's it's it is absolutely double standard. The biggest double standard, by the way, we have in, in, the, in the New York Knicks, the fan base is quickly and Obi can do no wrong. <laughs> They can do quickly can do everything. He's not getting blamed ever. It's 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 ridiculous, but okay. Just had to get that but out. Yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, just I I had to because it, it it's. It's crazy. It's like, uh, oh, Obi um, went not Obi quickly had went zero and five from from three point from three points. Ah, but they were less shots. Hey, he 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 has to try that. Randall shot. He missed three three threes. Oh, oh my god! But they were good shots. He had to take them. Ah, he shit. That's that's the thing. Ah, R, R, RJ can shoot. It's. Uh, I mean, the best fight. example of that is people get mad at ISO Randall. Right, which yeah. fair. I mean, those are bad offensive possessions. Yeah, I mean, are we not? But nobody talks about ISO quickly, you know, <laughs> which happens a lot. Where he's dribbling a lot, does some moves, and takes a deep step back, and you know, a lot of times runs, this year it's missing. Runs, runs around the paint. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, gets, yeah. So gets, it's funny. It's as funny. My my takeaway on this, guys, is like I I agree with you uh, guys that. Randall wants to be here. You know, Randall doesn't want to leave. You know, he likes being he likes being a Nick, and he also he's he's tasted what it's like when you're going when it's going good. You know, and it's nice. <laughs> when it's going good, it's, it's really good, right? Uh, so I, I don't think he wants to get like where's where he going to go? Sacramento, Utah. Like if you're Julius Randall, why the fuck would you want to get traded there? Like you you have like marketing deals and partnerships, and your your kid is in in sporting goods stores. You know, and, and it's not even just you. It's your kid. You set your kid up for generational wealth, you know, just off of advertisements. And, and you know, his wife is doing things in the city as well. So I don't think he – and just from that and also from the basketball perspective, you know, I think he, he likes playing at MSG. He likes being the guy in New York and or the second guy. You know, I think – I really think him – he's starting to view him and RJ as 1A and 1B. I, I really do believe that. And yeah. I think a lot of people say, oh, he's not going to defer to a second guy. I think he's deferred to RJ quite a bit over the past month or so. And and uh, so, yeah, I think he, he wants to be here. He wants to win here. And, yeah. you know, hopefully it happens while he's here, you know. And You spoke about it, uh, Omar, about uh, Randall referring to RJ. Last couple of games, maybe last couple of months, big shots down the stretch. How many did Randall take? One, two. How many did RJ and Fournier and Burks try try or mate? Yeah, much more. He's deferring much more. The thing I mean, about that too is, whenever RJ does something good, who's the first person dapping him up? It's always Julius. It's always Julius saying, "You hear like they're wired." Like yesterday on ESPN, RJ was wired, and you could hear him and Julius just going back and forth. That doesn't sound like people who two guys who hate each other. I'm just saying that, you know, which is like a narrative that guys like Berman are pushing, but I hope that Julius doesn't get traded at the deadline, not because I'm, you know, alone on Randall Island, but mostly just because I, I've talked about before with you guys, it just sets a bad precedent to extend somebody as your not as your top pay player and then trade him half a season later. The whole thing about Randall deferring to somebody. So he's the second option. I think, you know, if, if somebody like Chris Paul walked through the door or I don't know, Damian Lillard or somebody like that, Of course, Randall would defer to them, but the the fact is they tried to change it this year by bringing in Kemba to almost be like the kind of the leading star. You know, he's going to run in for a thing. He's going to take the ball out of Randall's hands, and he was he's been dreadful. So I think that's what got Randall's back up a little bit. He's just like, look, I'm okay with, with deferring to be a second option. But you've got, you've got to give me a credible first option to do right. Yeah, like Kemba isn't Kemba. Kemba's the name Kemba. You know, like yeah. Kemba right now is like, I mean, he's one of the worst players on the team. You yeah. know, you take away the name, and you put the production. He's been one of the, one of the worst performing players we have. You know, yeah. and yeah. you know people like to shit on Noel. I mean, how useless has Kemba been? You know, throughout <laughs> most of the season. You know, and. True. I hate saying that because I love Kemba Walker. You know, he's always been one of my favorite players. But when you take away the name, what do you have? You have a guy, a small guard who can't really defend, whose shot has failed him, and who has lost a step. Julius shouldn't be deferring to somebody like that, yeah. regardless of who he is, right? <laughs> uh, I think you're right about RJ. Now that now that RJ's kind of come come through, yeah, yeah, you can see that he, he he's willing to, to to defer if he needs to. Do you know, it's I mean. But, 
RJ was on, completely on the spotlight last night. Everybody was talking about how he, oh, yeah, RJ with the 21-point first half. Randall had 20. Quietly, had 20 points in the first half as well. I don't care. I can't, can't give Julius any credit. You know? I mean, because, <laughs> no, it's not the credits. He's deferring. Okay, let RJ's the star. I'm here, but I'm here. Getting three assists shy of a triple-double. I'm, I'm doing my job. That, they want it to be like the Celtics with Brown and Tatum. That, that's how they're, they're positioning it. And I've been saying it for weeks. That's how they want to do it, that you've got two main guys and they feed off of each other. And so Nick fans trying to make it sound like it's one guy versus the other. Stupid. Because you need both to succeed. Like Utah does well because Gobert gets his touches, Mitchell gets his touches. You know, and, and and these different players are they're feeding off one another. It's not it, the whole Allen Iverson setup doesn't work anymore. Where you're just like fifty percent usage and just jacking up all the shots and just hoping that Aaron McKee defends on the other end. You know, it doesn't it doesn't work like that in the modern NBA. But let's move on into the trade deadline. That is coming up in four days, guys. We are four days away from the trade deadline. Thank God, so we don't have to deal with these stupid trade machine posts. But then again, they'll be they'll be happening again for the offseason. So I don't know why I'm getting so excited. But oh, no. <laughs> are you ready for that first week where we don't trade Randall? Yeah. That first week on Twitter. Oh my God, they didn't trade Randall. I will be laughing while people will be crying. I will be enjoying it. <laughs> I I will be obnoxious on Twitter. So that would that'll be great. Uh, we'll we'll take the Randall victory lap when that happens. Um, do you guys think? That the Knicks are, it's such a, a generic term, but I'll, I'll ask the question anyway. Do you guys think that the Knicks are going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline? Yeah, yeah. So, as you said, it's such a weird term. I don't, I don't really, I mean, sellers in the, I mean, you're just giving up players for picks, or I, I, I mean, I can't see that happening, to be honest. I think that a kind of neutral, a few kind of minor, minor kind of upgrade trades, I think is probably what's going to happen. You can't see any kind of blockbuster trades. You know, like the kind of thing, Knox Reddish sort of thing. It's a fairly kind of minor trade, you know, that an incremental upgrade probably best. And, you know, that kind of thing, I think maybe if, if this situation arises, what we've seen is that this front office is patient, you know, and waits for the right moments. Uh, sees little kind of opportunities to kind of just, just kind of make themselves a little bit better, which is completely against what when when Leon Rose first came in, I just thought, right, I want a kind of slow, kind of steady rebuild here, and this is not the guy to do it. I was really kind of wary of Rose when he first came in. I just thought he's going to be just coming in, just trade, you know, kind of mellow type type deals and just throwing everything at stars. And I, I was kind of really wary of him when he first came. And, you know, it's only now that I'm kind of beginning to trust that, you know, these guys know what they're doing. They're not they're not stupid. There's a lot of smart people in the room now. And as I said, I don't think the big blockbuster trades are out there. I mean, if you if you think Randall for Fox is a blockbuster trade, then fair enough. But, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think there's going to be anything big coming. Um, I think Kemba, you know, there's the, the rumour about, Kemba to Charlotte, I think, at one point. So something like that, maybe. But um, I, I can't see any big moves other than that. If Randall goes, then, yeah, you, you're probably getting something pretty big back. It's not going to be for picks or anything like that. So 
I don't know how you describe that as a buyer or a seller. If you did Brando for Fox, would you call it a, a, a buying that's trade a, or selling trade? That's know. a sideways move. Well, exactly. I think that, that I think if anything, that's what the kind of moves they'll make. I mean, trading Randall for Fox for, to me is a sideways move, basically. Right. It's it does nothing to to improve you this year. The only moves I I think we can get is we are getting rid, and it's a, a strong term, but we're getting rid of some players because we have too many guys to play. So uh, we have Cam Reddish is here to play. I have a feeling that even if we don't trade Kemba, the minute Rose is healthy, Kemba drops out of the rotation completely for Rose. So Rose just becomes the starting guard or Burks and the, the, the second unit is Rose with uh, with, with IQ. But I don't know. It's, uh, it's tough to me to say that we're going to trade a guy like Burks because Tibbs clearly likes him a lot. And if... Kemba is dropped or traded. He's probably going to be our starting point guard, which is kind of weird. But we need to make room for Cam Reddish to play, right? He just didn't trade away a first-round pick to to let a guy walk. That that, that can't happen. I, I don't think that's why would why would we you would you do that? Trade a first in Knox for for a guy to just walk. I mean, so I think it's after that the deadline will make a few moves. I don't know who leaves. I don't know who leaves because it has to to Cam Reddish to play has to be someone from uh, from the backcourt. I don't I don't see it Cam Reddish playing at the four. So I have Fournier, Burks, they're on those yeah. lines. My my point was I don't think they're just going to get rid of those guys for nothing. Do you know the. the... There's, if there's no deals there, then... then no, but if you if you just want to make room for Cam Reddish to play, you're just going to trade Burks or someone else for guys to not play in the, with the Knicks. So maybe get two second rounders or something or a first rounder from a, a top team, a top contender forget to get Burks. Hmm. I mean, I'm uh, looking at it. And, you know, what you're describing, Ralph, is kind of addition by subtraction. You know, you get rid of some of these guys and then, you know, that frees up Cam to get more minutes, which almost which feels like a new acquisition in, in that in that sense, right? I think the main thing is you're probably going to see a Kemba salary dump. I, I think that that Charlotte trade makes a ton of sense. Charlotte gets, you know, a good PR story, you know, gets a mentor for LaMelo and Rogier, and the Knicks, you know, further troubles get a second-round pick. You know, if Smith is just the salary. get one... If we, uh, please tell me we're not playing Charlotte at MSG sometime between now and the end of the season. He's going to come oh, and, come back and drop fifty or something. <laughs> yeah, that'll definitely happen. And if we trade, if we trade Kemba back to Charlotte, we don't we don't look like the biggest assholes in the NBA. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a redemption back. story for Kemba. You just go you back were, where it all started. You were home, but you go back home again. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, just go, go make back the to playoff. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, and you know, like a Burks deal, I could see a contender maybe trying to get him. You know, but I, to your point, Alex, I think that is that's a deal that you would get a player back, maybe a young player. You know, like a, a developmental project type, and it's a team who wants to kind of win now, or maybe you find some team who has like a you know a veteran point guard that's not getting any minutes. You know, similar to how Rondo was traded to the Cavs uh, earlier 
a few weeks back, you know, and, you know, the, he wasn't really getting any run with the Lakers. So, yeah, you trade him to Cleveland and get some backup minutes behind Darius Garland. Now, uh, with that, you get a guy to sustain the rotation. That That's one plus guy to, to play. If, you, know, you trade away uh, – you trade away Burks only if you completely you trade Campbell for a pick and you trade Burks for another guy to to play. That's right. You, but uh, you still that's why bringing hope. in a veteran point guard or something for Burks makes sense, yeah. right? Because yeah. you're you're filling in that backup role, and you would hope that maybe him and Rose and maybe quickly could platoon the, but the point guard rotation. Who starts then? That veteran that's point guard. Right. I mean, that's that's a decision for Tibbs to make, not me. So, oh boy, I don't but need to worry see, about it. You 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 have two guys right now that are out of the rotation that should get minutes. Which it, well, Rose is injured, but there's it's Rose and Cam. So you need to get, take two guys out of the rotations. You're not dropping Grimes, right? So um, it's. Uh, I want to address one final rumor that um, it came out, I think it was today, where there's a rumor floating around that the Pistons, Detroit Pistons, are inquiring about Mitch's availability. So do you guys think that happens? And if it does, what do you think the Pistons' offer would be? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because he's, he's obviously an expiring deal, but he's probably going to want a good salary in the, in the offseason. Uh, I'm trying to think about teams that, that really needs somebody at the at the center position because he's going to be probably at least asking for starting level salary unless he goes to a team like the Pistons where you know got a bit of money to put about. I, I don't know. I mean, it's I, you. I mean, you probably know the Pistons better than me, Omar. Uh, well, you, you definitely do actually. But yeah, you know, it's a weird fit for the Pistons because again, they have a young center in Isaiah. And their backup is a very serviceable player in Kelly Olinick. You would think, okay, if they envision Isaiah playing the four, and you know, Alex, you and I mentioned you talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. I just don't see his skill set as fitting a four. Like, yeah, he could shoot a little bit, but the body size defensively would just be a nightmare. The only thing is, I mean, we've talked before about the draft uh, with Erson that about you know just getting best player available and when you're in, in that that kind of bottomed out position like the Pistons are you you're just getting assets on do you know think, worry about the positions later and you're just trying to build up a good a good roster you know worry about the fact of having three centers at one you know you know we we talked about the Cavs earlier in the season about all the the power forwards and bigs that they had the, their roster just looked really unbalanced but you know, sometimes these, you know, these things can work themselves out. I don't see us needing anything from from Detroit. What are we getting? They're well, you want Hamadou Diallo. They're, <laughs> they're, tra- they're trading Diallo. They're trading uh, what? Stewart, Killian Hayes. I mean, it's hey, it, Killian Hayes. There you go. That solves your point guard problem. Yeah, well, <laughs> the thing you know, the maybe born yet. <laughs> he's the new, he's the new Frank, isn't he? The guy maybe that you would yeah. get. That you can see getting to to and if it's our troubles is a a guy who's more of a veteran. Uh, it's Corey Joseph, but do we really want is is he the guy to to make be our starting point guard? I mean, well, you're right. But you're right, Rafa. You you said about the roster's already full of guys that are kind of good, but not great. They're not terrible. 
they're just kind of like guys. <laughs> they're they're there. It's, it's like yeah, it's absolutely normal. I think that teams are uh, asking the Knicks about Mitch since it's his contract year. There are a lot of talks that he he might not resign, but it's uh, they're poking around. I think they're poking around because Detroit has nothing to give. <laughs> what are they giving? Yeah. Unless you give for Noel their second round pick, which is basically a late first because they're so bad, you know. Yeah. So that's another another route. But I honestly, honestly, I'm I'm convinced that they're going to trade Killian Hayes though because once they drafted Cade, I was like, well, this is over. What's the point of keeping this guy? You just drafted this guy number one overall, and and you just admit defeat on on this European player that you gambled on and lost. And, but we'll see what happens uh, with the deadline and all that. But I want to switch to another power forward center dynamic. This Both is this is your moment, Omar. It's my me moment. And Alex, me and Alex had the tips segment. You have this. Go ahead. So Charles Oakley, great Nick player, Charles Oakley. I'll, I'll preface that. Come out with a book. Uh, I think the book is called The Last Enforcer. And which is... Uh, an appropriate name for a book that Charles Oakley put together. And so he's been doing his media tour and he's been talking to Rich Eisen, all, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, all the smoke. He did a spot with Ariel Helwani. He, he did all these interviews promoting this book. And during these interviews, he's kind of talking about his time growing up. He was talking about you know, his time in college, time with the Bulls, his friendship with Jordan. And, of course, talking a lot about his Nick years. And this dude is just throwing Patrick Ewing under the bus. There are many things that I could tolerate as a Nick fan. Disrespecting Patrick Ewing is not one of those things. And oh, Yeah, oh, yeah. And Patrick Ewing is so soft. Like, the guy was playing with no knees for like the last five years of his Nick career, <laughs> dragging this team to the playoffs. But it's like it felt very Scottie Pippen to me. You know, where you're trying to sell some books, so you stir up a little controversy. You know, you're talking about Patrick Ewing, and you're you're saying, oh, yeah, he, you know, he, he was kind of soft. He wasn't the same as he was in Georgetown. And you're basically blaming him for not getting you a title. And I think, ultimately, Oak is bitter because he got traded from Chicago uh, to New York for Bill Cartwright. And that was a great move by Jerry Krause. Because it ended up in three titles. You know, you can't really argue. And yeah. at the end of the day, you can make the, the situation that, well, he was a very limited player. So the Knicks in the 90s had to play a certain style. And that's why the Bulls were able to win after he was gone. And he just strikes me as like a super bitter guy right now because, because of all that. And when I'm looking, it's like I kind of disowned him after the whole – the whole thing, what was it, 2018, 2017? Oh, MSG whole, thing? MSG thing where he was yeah. he got like arrested or whatever. And I'm just like, everybody loves to rag on Dolan. You know, everybody loves to say James Dolan's the worst owner in sports. He's such a piece of shit. He's this, he's a thin skin this, thin skin that, whatever. Be that as it may, for the most part, I feel like Dolan doesn't want to get involved. He doesn't want to be in the in the in the limelight, so to speak. Yeah. He, as much as people think he does. Like since Leon came on board, like I think we've only heard from Dolan one time, and that was when he was announcing that 
fans were coming back into the into the stadium last year, you know, because of COVID and stuff. And you know, I, I look at this Oakley stuff, and you know, you hear him talk about it. He seems like a guy who's just making shit up as he goes, you know. And I, I get it; you want to sell books, but like Patrick Ewing is kind of revered by many as the greatest player the Knicks have ever had with all due respect to Clyde Frazier and Willis Reed. And because of the, because of the competition he played against his overall skill set, And I just feel like he has just gone out of his way to tarnish his legacy as a Nick Charles Oakley has. And the way you do that, the fastest and most expeditious way is by shitting on Patrick Ewing. And, you know, for me, it's like, yes, fuck Oakley, man. Like, I'm done with him, you know, because yeah. you guys noticed yesterday during the Lakers game, they conveniently panned to a Nick fan who's wearing an Oakley jersey. I don't know if you picked up on that. Like, no, he was, like, right no, next no. to the Lakers bench courtside. Actually didn't. Actually didn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they kind of focused on for, like, 10 seconds. And I was just like, yes. it's just so contrived because everybody wants to make the Knicks look like a stupid organization discredit Patrick Ewing's legacy and make James Dolan just seem like a bumbling idiot. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's annoying. It's, it's all part of that tired narrative. And, you know, you hear him talk about those days with the Knicks and like, like he, he wasn't even talking about like Anthony Mason. He didn't say anything about John Starks. It's like, these are guys like you play with forever. And then, but you just want to be mad at Patrick Ewing. You know, I, I don't know. I just think it was fucking stupid. It would never be as, uh, well, get his attention if he just criticized John Starks. It's obviously Ewing he's going after. It's like mm-hmm. when he talked about the Bulls, he talked about a bit about Jordan. He didn't talk about Pippen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It goes, the, yeah. yeah. It goes for the biggest impact. You know, as you say, it's just all about selling books. You know, I think. Yeah, over the last few years, you're right, Omar. I think he's yeah, he's he's tarnished his reputation with the fans. I mean, obviously, Knicks fans aren't going to take that seriously when he's going after Ewing. But I think pretty much every you know neutral NBA fan would just be like, "What you're talking absolute nonsense." Do you know he's you know everybody like, knows how good Ewing was. Do you know so? Like, imagine if Dale Davis made a book and he starts shitting on Reggie Miller because he never won the whole thing, like. It wouldn't happen. You know, it's like Mike Bibby isn't making a book shitting on Chris Webber. You know, it's like it's not happening. You know, that's just it is what it is. You know, you you had good runs with this, you know, with uh, with this guy. And then you're just going to because you're mad that he didn't have your back at MSG. Like, what is he going to do? Like, he got stopped at MSG one time for a ticket. He's Patrick fucking Ewing. His, his fucking name's in the rafters. You know, like, like, come on, man. You know, it's just, it's just so fresh. It's so bad because it, like, it, it, it's the low hanging fruit for these commentators. Now, I want to say, oh, look how trash the Knicks are. What a, what a piece of shit organization. I can't get behind this. You know, like I was listening to Rich Eisen say that, who's a journalist that I respect, but he's like, yeah, that's why I can't root for that team anymore. I'm like, whatever, dude. Like, yeah, you just wanted an excuse because you don't like the owner. You know, it's you see the same thing in American football with the Raiders. Like they always want a reason to hate the owner because nobody likes the owner. And so they'll always just paint the organization as being dysfunctional and chaotic and all this other shit. And it's just a game of narratives. But with that being said, 
are you guys interested in this man's book? No. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> Let's just stop it there. What, yeah, is, no, this, no, what no. is this question? What is this question? <laughs> I got you know, I got something a little, you know, every now what and then. What is this question, yeah. man? I mean, I'm, I still haven't had my Chris Herring book, so that's the one the, I the, want. The length, the length of time it takes me to read a book, so <laughs> I think by the time I get round to even considering buying Oakley's book, uh, I will have forgotten about it. So, and <laughs> so. I tell you what, I have like a few books, like something I got for Christmas. They're all basketball books and the Blood in the Garden from Chris Herring I just purchased the other day. Mm-hmm. I got to read the Blood in the Garden. I got Mirren Fader's uh, book about Giannis. I got uh, oh, yeah, Steve yeah. Kerr's book as well. And so I'm like, man, I got to find time to read all these things. You know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, hopefully I get around to it sooner rather than later. But let me just bring my blood pressure down a little bit. I'm uh, done talking about Oakley. And uh, let's just uh, preview next week's games. So – uh, yesterday in L.A. was the start of a real grueling uh, road trip out, out west for the Knicks. So all these games this week are going to be on the road tomorrow at Utah, then the following day at Denver, then we got Golden State, and then Portland. So we were right last week for the most part. I think we kind of all were basically agreed on one and two. What do you guys think is going to happen this week? I mean, both Utah and Denver are both at altitude as well, aren't they? They're all they're, those two yeah. arenas that you, you don't even want to play not on a back-to-back. You know, it's such a hard, hard thing to acclimatize to. I mean, it, there's the obvious zero and three, but uh, right, we'll go one and three then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously that Port- Portland one looks like the uh, the one to pick up, but so. Let's be positive and not go zero and four and go one and three. Then with the Portland game, it's going three. positive one and yeah. three. Oh I'm saying is the obvious. The obvious one is zero and four, but uh, I'm trying to be add a bit of positivity by. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, when I looked at when I looked at this road trip coming up, I would say we we would on in total we would go two in in uh in three. If we picked up this, normally the first game of these uh, of this uh, travel to, to to West, you all, the the first game is the game you go with uh, more energy and you pick up. So we lost that. So yeah, that's gone out the window. Maybe yeah, yeah, and not in a positive way, but maybe we can go one in three. We can surprise a team. I don't know, not not Jokic team, but maybe the Jazz. We can maybe try and squeak a win there. The Nuggets, I mean, Jokic is uh, is is Jokic, and the Warriors. It depends on how the ball, the, the, the three pointer goes or not. Right. So it's uh, they're, they're always like that. But I think Nuggets and Warriors, it's a loss. Jazz, I can see us squeak out a win, and the Blazers. I think it's the only one we have a real shot to to win. Yeah, I'm going to say one and three as well, although I wouldn't be surprised if they sneak it into two and two. I think Utah has shown a little vulnerability at times this year. And so I think you can't, you, you could potentially beat them. We have no no answer for fucking Jokic. Noel. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Mitchell's back, isn't they, for, for Utah? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, He's about to fight Gobert, so it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, so I'm the same way I marked down Memphis as a loss last week. I'm kind of marking Denver down as a loss. They just 
also like they just embarrassed us so badly last time they were at the garden and you know it was not good <laughs> and uh golden state i think that you know like rj and julius they they really get up for those like games against the top level competition i'm not saying they're gonna win but i think though it'll be closer than most people think and mm-hmm. portland's team's winnable i mean there looks like they're in tanking mode almost because you know, they just traded away Norman Powell, guy who they re-signed in the offseason. Uh, Robert Covington's gone as well. You know, and they brought in Bledsoe, I believe. I mean, with game of the year, you know, Eric Bledsoe, you know, it makes a lot of sense to, to as, like, somebody to see them through the end of the year. Magically, they're, like, with, like, 11 games under 500 and still in the plans in, out west, which is crazy, you know, because for so long, you know, the east was the bad conference. You know, they didn't have any depth. And now, like, the east is just fucking stacked. But yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go one and three as well, you know. And hopefully, you know, hopefully we're proven wrong. You know, obviously we don't root for any Knicks losses. No tanking on worldwide Knicks guys, but uh, we, we don't believe ban, it. Ban that word. Ban I know, I know. that word. Uh, they're starting to talk about the group chat. I'm like, what? What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a way. Well, quick thing about tanking. The I mean, obviously with the flattened lottery odds, it's it's not really not worth it but also we'd have to drop a long long way to kind of really improve our kind of uh, position in the tanking race there's quite a big gap um and plus yeah plus as as we've mentioned many times we've got a, we've got a roster full of good nba players not great not not terrible you cannot get nba good nba oh. players to tank you know the only way you can tank is with a with a with a real poor roster, which there's there's no other. I mean, you try and tell Tips to to, to tank. You try and tell all these kind of yeah. uh, Randall, RJ, you know, Forney even try and tell these guys to tank. That's not going to happen. You know, these guys have got too much pride in the and 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 where they are. So it's 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 pretty much impossible unless they traded out the whole the whole roster in the next uh, few days, which I hope they don't. You just trade Julius and then all these other guys and you know and a race to RJ the and yeah yeah oh my just god I want to like even put it into the atmosphere the idea of them trading RJ before his first extension um, it's the anyway. curse it's the curse it's the curse he's gonna he's gonna break it it's okay <laughs> anyway thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Worldwide Knicks really appreciate it if you like the podcast please consider rating and subscribing. If you are on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can rate the podcast, and that goes a long way to helping us get found on those platforms. Uh, If you do enjoy the podcast, also please consider sharing it with a friend that might enjoy it as well. If you want to keep up with us on Twitter, you can follow us at Podcast on there. And we're actually currently at, last time I checked, uh, was 481 followers. So we are almost at magic number 500. It feels like we just crossed 400 recently, too. So, you know, we're yeah. we're definitely growing the growing the voice on there. And I said it last week, I'll say it again. Rafa killing it on Twitter again this week. <laughs> you know, <laughs> mixing it up with Julito and and mm. just getting all the engagement going. It's 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 always super fun. You know, I started getting back into posting on there a little bit more today. So hopefully you get my my whack ass takes mixed in there as well. So <laughs> but uh, Anytime thank- there's a, a, a pro tips uh, comment, it's Alex. By the way, just, oh, just letting you all know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I need to. St- I need to start signing off with my name. You know, but just like Alex. <laughs> <at the end. laughs>
<laughs> uh, thank you guys for tuning in for this week's episode. We'll catch you next week where we will be definitely talking about what the Knicks did at the deadline because it will have passed. <laughs> and saying thank Woo-hoo. God. All right, guys. Worldwide Knicks. Catch you guys on the next one. <laughs>